Before you decide to indulge in sinful behavior, consider the cost. Those of you that have been studying with us, you'll know and recall that King Saul, the leader of the land, has been spending most of his time fighting a battle. But he's been fighting the wrong battle. He's been going after David instead of protecting the land. It speaks of a very deep warning to you and me. The same thing will happen to us if we get caught up in all the little problems and the little issues fighting the wrong enemy. When you choose to fight the wrong enemy, the enemy's going to get deep into your land and deep into your heart and deep into your life. This is amazing grace. This is Under his mother's guidance, Harry Ironside began to memorize scripture when he was three. By age 14, he had read the Bible 14 times. For the rest of his life, he would continue to read the Bible cover to cover each year. What a great example to follow. Each day on Abounding Grace, Pastor Ed Taylor encourages us to get into the Word and allow the Word to get into us. It will help us make wise life decisions and avoid foolish behavior. In 1 Samuel 28, we read of a couple of men that aren't in a good place. And as we'll see, there's always a price to pay for compromise and sin. 1 Samuel chapter 28, you'll recall in chapter 27, uh, it opened a great a season of great compromise in David's life. He headed off in the beginning there into the area of Gath to the Philistine territory and lived a deceitful life there. He raided the areas where the Gerashites and the Gerzites and the Malachites dwelt, uh, leaving nothing behind. It says in verse 11 of chapter 27 that David would save neither man nor woman alive and then bring news back to Gath saying, lest they inform on us, saying, thus David did. He was a very deceptive man during this time, running to the enemy, to the territory of the enemy uh, for safety, which is a bad decision. In, in verse 12, Achish believed David. He was a trustworthy man and he was believed, uh, saying he has made his people Israel utterly abhor him. Therefore, he'll be my servant forever. But David actually was fighting against Achish and lying to them, lying to him. And so with that in mind, in verse 1 of chapter 28, now it happened in those days that the Philistines gathered their armies together for war to fight with Israel. And Achish said to David, You assuredly know that you will go out with me to battle, you and your men. And David said to Achish, Surely you know what your servant can do. And Achish said to David, Therefore I'll make you one of my chief guardians forever. Now it happened in those days. Which days does the author want us to know but those days of compromise in David's life? It's those days where David is consorting with the enemy, thinking that's a good place to hide, going and being in a place of compromise. And this battle now, as the Philistines are coming together, David has actually, through his lies and deceit, has emboldened Achish to take on Israel because he now thinks he has David on his side. 
And now he, he can see as he's manip, you know, being manipulated, he's also kind of thinking through, well, I can use this for my advantage. And I'm sure David didn't expect this. And you ask, well, expect what? I don't think David expected to be invited by the king of the Philistines to destroy Israel. I don't think he thought that far ahead. You know, I think I'll go run to the Philistines and I'll kind of hide there for a while and, and it'll be okay and I'll lie a little bit and it'll be fine and I'll get away with it. I don't think he thought this far ahead that he would gain so much confidence through his deceit and his lies that the king would ask him to be on his side and to fight against his own people. After all, it makes sense, doesn't it? Because Achish thinks he's already doing that anyway. He, he thinks he's already against Israel, so why not invite him to go full on in a battle to overtake and destroy Israel? And I don't think David expected this when he headed backward in his relationship with God. He was being enlisted to fight against the people of God. Now, it reminds me that there's always a price to pay. You might just want to jot that down. There's always a price to pay for compromise. Every temptation the devil sends our way that's nicely wrapped up and attractive and, and always see, you know, you think of temptation, it wouldn't be that big a deal unless the temptation was pretty, attractive, desirable, and a viable option. You see, when it becomes a viable option, when it's on the table, bunk, you know, full obedience, well, that's going to cost me. Partial obedience, that's going to cost me. But if I go this route, I might get away with everything. Oh, okay, maybe. Maybe I should try it out. Maybe I'll dabble in it. When it's a viable option, you have to remember that it's still sin, and sin's going to cost. I don't know that you can fully comprehend. I don't think I can fully comprehend how bad it's going to be if I go in that direction. I just have to trust that it's going to be really bad. It's going to be very destructive. And ultimately, it's going to turn me against God. That's where David is right here. He is being turned against God in his life. The man that's anointed the next king. The man that God's sovereignly protecting. The man that's described as what? A man after God's own heart in his compromise and his deceit and his lies. And, and the fact that he's got all this confidence. You know, Achish is emboldened, but so is David. David's emboldened. He, he sees this and he's, I'm getting away with this. I'm hiding. It's fine. I'm doing God a service by taking things into my own hands. You know, he goes back and forth, back and forth. And here he is emboldened. But in his emboldenedness, he faced something he could never expect. And he's at another crossroads in his life. There's always a price to pay. It always, taking the bait of temptation always unleashes the consequences of sin. Jot it down. Galatians chapter 6, verses 7 and 8 says, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption, but he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. The thing that, God, the thing that David has going for him right now is God's sovereign protective hand. God is protecting him. He keeps David from participating. It's mind-blowing, isn't it? It's mind-blowing to me. What do I deserve when I'm in places of compromise and temptation? Uh, you know, I deserve God just to let me go and destroy myself. And yet there are times where God will intervene to save us from ourselves. 
I mean, I, I'm so thankful for that. Sometimes it comes in the form of a friend. Sometimes it comes in the form of a text message or, you know, uh, whatever's left of your seared conscience. Uh, it could come and, you know, you're just driving on your way to just whatever you're into that's against God. And you see a little scripture on a church billboard and you're like, oh, man, I can't do this. Or, you know, whatever. I can think of a thousand scenarios where God will intervene and save us from ourselves. And this is an example. David couldn't be in a further place from the Lord, and yet God even uses his own sin to protect him and accomplish his will. Because he's still not honest. In verse 2, he's not being direct. He's invited to fight, and he's still kind of, well, you know, you know what your servant can do. He doesn't say yes or no. He's still kind of being slick here. You know what I can do. And Aksha said to David, well, I'm going to make you one of my guardians. But all the while, he's not, he's still lying. He's not going to fight again. I mean, he's got enough sense where this is the end of the road for him, but he's in a tough spot. And I'm just so grateful that God can work all things together for the good. It's not going to come without penalty or pain, but the reality is that God can even intervene in the midst of our own, t- our own compromise. And I don't know, you know, when he will or if he will, but he can. And I'm grateful for that. Verse 3, it says, Samuel had died, and all Israel had lamented for him and buried him in Ramah in his own city. And Saul had put the mediums and the spiritists out of the land. Then the Philistines gathered together and came and encamped at Shunem. And so Saul gathered all Israel together, and they encamped at Gilboa. And when Saul saw the army of the Philistines, he was afraid, and his heart troubled greatly. And when Saul inquired of the Lord, the Lord did not answer him, either by dreams or by the Urim or by the prophets. So we learn of Saul, if you guys have been with us for a while, you remember we've already learned about Saul's death back in chapter 25, or excuse me, Samuel's death back in chapter 25, verse 1. We've already looked at that. And now it's mentioned again. And I think it's mentioned again for the sake of context. Sometimes we just have to remember the scene. We've already looked in verse 1, in those days. You know, it it happened in those days. What days were those? Well, the days of David's compromise. But now we're also learning it's also in the days without Samuel. Samuel was a giant of a man spiritually. Incredibly important to the spiritual health of the nation of Israel. And the author's reminding us that he's not there. This is all happening in times of David's compromise, in times of Saul's craziness, and in time of without Samuel, the spiritual leader. Samuel's absence is very difficult for the nation. Samuel's not there to rescue Saul as he had many times before. Samuel is not there to give good counsel to Saul. Even though Saul put out all the mediums and spiritists, all the demon, you know, the, the demon-based nonsense of those that were idolatrous, they, they've take, he's put them out of the land. While that's a good decision, there's still pressure going on. There's no spiritual leadership in the land. The king isn't seeking God. David is off. If there's any direct, David is off doing his own thing and compromise. And the Philistines are coming. This is a difficult time. You know, you could look at it in your own life and just think, you know, in those difficult times in your life, it's when you're just backed up against the wall and there's nowhere to go. That's where the nation is right now, spiritually. They're just backed up into a wall. That They have no one to cry out to, no one to help. There's not even, if if you look in verse 6, it's so bad that Saul's kind of asking from the Lord, but God's not answering him. 
There's no, there's no answer, no way, nowhere he goes. He's not giving him dreams. He, he's not giving him any, anything with the Urim and the Thummim, uh, which were those stones that were used by the priests. So that, that's a mention the priests aren't hearing from the Lord. The prophets aren't speaking for the Lord. It's a very difficult time. And the Philistines are battling and pushing and pressing, and it doesn't end. It's very difficult. And you think, you know, here they are in Shunem. They're getting close and deep into the, the enemy is getting deep into the land of Israel. And we have to ask ourselves, how does this happen? How did the Philistines get so deep into the land of Israel? It's very simple. Those of you that have been studying with us, you'll know and recall that King Saul, the leader of the land, has been spending most of his time fighting a battle. But he's been fighting the wrong battle. He's been going after David instead of protecting the land. It speaks of a very deep warning to you and me. The same thing will happen to us if we get caught up in all the little problems and the little issues fighting the wrong enemy. When you choose to fight the wrong enemy, the enemy's going to get deep into your land and deep into your heart and deep into your life. The enemy, the, you know, we have a threefold enemy, don't we? The world, the flesh, and the devil. It's always pressing in, never leaves. The world's not going away. Your flesh isn't going away. And the devil in the demonic realm, the spiritual realm, is very real, always pressing in. And if you and I choose, because there are little battles, aren't they? Uh, and even on the show today, in, the, in um, one of the questions, we were talking about how easy it will be, how easy it can be to go after, you know, I use the topic of gossip and slander, but it could be all kinds of things. You know, people talking smack about you in the world today. You can chase after everybody that has something evil to say about you, but you are fighting the wrong battle. You commit them to the Lord. Or you've got these people throwing stones at you, you know, whatever it might be. You've got a family situation. You've got a situation going on at work. You've got, you're worried about some bills. You're, and you've got all these little things, and you're going after them, going after them, going after them. You've got to be careful. You better fight the right battle. And the enemy can get you going a thousand different ways when you leave home base unprotected. What's home base? Your relationship with the Lord. You've got to protect that. You don't want the enemy pressing in and taking you away from intimacy and all. I mean, you, you could be like, you could have something coming in like the, you could have, you know, a spiritual uh, weakness in your life right now. You can have people coming after you. You can have things being said about you. You can, listen, that's just the way it is. And you got to be careful not to let the little things draw you away so you start fighting the wrong enemy. We see Saul in verse 6 trying to connect with God. The only problem was, he wasn't in relationship with God. And the reason he wasn't in relationship with God is that he was unrepentant. He was unrepentant. He was a man living in sin, emotionally giving the right words, but he wasn't repentant. You're in 1 Samuel. Would you turn back to chapter 8? 1 Samuel chapter 8. I want you to see this in your own Bibles or click it off on your iPad or your, your iPhone. First Samuel chapter 8, verse 18. When Samuel was talking about a king coming, he would say to the people he was warning them about wanting a king, he says, you're going to cry out in that day because of your king whom you've chosen for yourselves, and the Lord will not hear you in that day. You're going to choose to disobey God, and in your disobedience, you're going to come to your senses and cry out, but you're not gonna, he's not going to hear you. 
That's a warning. The Lord will not hear you in that day. Turn over to Psalm 18, verse 41. Psalm 18, verse 41. There's much to be said about this in the scriptures. Where Saul is right now. Where maybe you are right now. Psalm 18, verse 41. It says, They cried out, but there was none to save them. Even to the Lord, but he did not answer them. It's like, wow, wait a minute. Jot this down. I'll read it to you in Isaiah chapter 1, verse 15. It says, When you spread out your hands, I'll hide my eyes from you. Even though you make many prayers, I will not hear. Your hands are full of blood. You see, King Saul was a talker. He knew all the right things to say. He had all the right words. It would be easy for you and I to observe Saul from a distance and come to the conclusion, that's a man of God. He wasn't a man of God. He was far from God. And you know who knew that? God. You go, how, how can you say that, Ed? Because when Saul inquired of the Lord, the Lord did not answer him. You go, wait a minute, Ed. I've been seeking the Lord, and the Lord hasn't been answering me. Of many things that could be, it could be a warning to make your calling an election sure. Your life that's right with the Lord. No matter what Saul tried, he received no answer from God. God wasn't speaking to Saul through dreams, through the priests, through a prophetic word. Here's, here is King Saul in the battle of his life. The battle, the, this is the culmination. This could be the end of his kingship, the end of the nation where the Philistines take control. And God's not talking with him. And during most of his life, he didn't want God's will because he wanted to do things his own way. That's what we've been studying in his life. That's the banner over his life. He's at the end of his life now. He's very close to the end. And the banner over his life as an adult is that he's wanted things his own way. He's taking things into his own hands. He's tried to control his own thing, his own destiny, his own kingship, all of it. He's rebelled against spiritual counsel. He's lied. It, it, there, there's no repentance in his life. During most of his life, he didn't want God's will. Is it any wonder at the end of Saul's life, God turns a deaf ear to a desperate but unrepentant man? I mean, this is like not good news. This is not a fun verse to study. You go, wait a minute, Ed. Man, this is really, this is tough. I, I don't want to experience it personally on myself. I hope you don't either. Like you think you're getting away with something, you're not getting away with anything. And in your most desperate day, you cry out to the Lord. If it's still from an unrepentant heart, it's just, I need help, God. God is not obligated. Remember, we did a whole study when Saul cried, he, he cried out to himself, he cried out verbally to David, he said, I played the fool. And this, what's ha this is what happens to people that play the fool with their lives. He cries out in the most desperate time and God doesn't answer. Now some of you are still not convinced. Some of you are still not convinced in Saul's life that Saul's in such a de desperate place. But I think there's an episode in his life that has been reserved for us just to show us how far away from God he really is. You go, how can God choose not to answer? Well, I believe he's chosen not to answer because of the distance of Saul. Saul is very far from God right now. God's king, the one that God anointed, the one that God chose, the one that had so much potential, the one that, that could at any moment make things right. He is so far from God. Notice in verse 7. 
Then Saul said to his servants, find me a woman who's a medium. Now, if you like to write in your Bibles, here's what you could write here. Saul said to his servants, find me a witch. <laughs> and I know that's not a word like a derogatory term for, for someone. This is a literal, find me a witch and her broom and everything. Find me a witch. That's who's going to help me. God's not speaking to me. So find me a witch. Now, wait a minute, Saul. Didn't you put them all out? Tells us something about Saul's character, doesn't it? We'll get to that in a second. Let that kind of marinate in your mind for a moment. Find me a medium that I can go to her and inquire of her. And his servant said to him, In fact, there is a woman who's a medium at Endor. So Saul disguised himself, put on other clothes, and he went, he and two other men with him, and they came to the woman by night, and he said, Please conduct a seance for me and bring up for me the one I shall name to you. Then the woman said to him, Look, you know what Saul's done, how he's cut off the mediums and the spiritists from the land. And then you, do you lay a snare for my life to cause me to die? And Saul swore to her, By the Lord. <laughs> saying, As the Lord lives, no punishment shall come upon you for this thing. Yep, this is the same Saul that put out the mediums and spiritists is now looking for one that he knows they're still around. He knows that his command was not fully followed. And so for those of you that were holding out hope for Saul or thought in my teaching I was coming to the wrong conclusion every week, now you know. He's rotten. Doesn't matter what it looks like on the outside. He's rotten. And people that are rotten eventually their true colors show. It might take a year. It might take two years. It might take five years. It might take ten years. But unless there's true change, one or the other, what it looks shiny and polished and pretty and so attractive on the outside, what's rotten on the inside is going to come out. Because there's going to come a time like in all of our lives, when we're faced with the greatest trial and the greatest battle of our life that will reveal our true condition. And that's where Saul is right here. Here's the condition. This is the kind of man that he is. Hey, everybody, get rid of the witches. Hey, I know we didn't get rid of them all. Find me one. And then when he meets her and she says, you know what King Saul's done? Oh, he disguises himself, by the way. He doesn't go as King Saul. Who knows how he dressed? He comes to this witch, and she says, man, I'm not, I'm not putting my neck on the line. We're supposed to be gone. I know I'm not supposed to be here. I'm not revealing myself. Oh, no, I'm going to swear on the Lord's name that you're going to be fine. It's just so far. We're going and growing through a study of 1 Samuel together on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. And you can request a CD copy for $2 when you give us a call at 877-30-GRACE. Or look for this message on our website at calvaryaurora.org. There you'll find a wide variety of resources designed to help strengthen your relationship with Christ and grow in God's abounding grace. Again, we're at calvaryaurora.org. Another way to listen to Ed's teachings is by downloading the Calvary Aurora app. Do a search for Calvary Aurora. Also, do a search for and download the Grace FM Colorado app. Again, that's the Calvary Aurora and the Grace FM Colorado apps. 
a great way to fill up on the teaching of God's Word throughout the week and stay connected with us. At Abounding Grace, we're committed to bringing verse-by-verse Bible teaching to your station every day. And we look to our listeners to help us with that. Today, when you give a donation of $25 or more, we'll send you the book, Out of a Far Country, by Christopher and Angela Yuan. Christopher is the son of Chinese immigrants and at an early age felt different and was attracted to boys. His mother tried to control the situation, but found her life and her son's life were spiraling out of control. After years of heartbreak and prayer, the Yuans found a place of complete surrender. Read this amazing story of grace and hope in Out of a Far Country. Call 877-30-GRACE so we can get that right out to you. Or donate online at calvaryaurora.org. And let me also give you our mailing address, Abounding Grace, Post Office Box 460598, Aurora, Colorado, 80046. Next time on Abounding Grace, we'll continue Pastor Ed Taylor's study of 1 Samuel. Thank you for listening today, and we'll look for you tomorrow as we open the Word together in search of God's abounding grace. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Chapel, Aurora. 